بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به الآمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله We've reached the next lesson in the tafsir of the short surahs of the Qur'an Kuz. And last week we covered Surah Al-Adiyat. Walhamdulillah. And tonight we move on to the next surah in the Qur'an which is Surah Al-Qari'ah. Surah Al-Qari'ah or Surah Al-Qari'ah. Which translates translates to the, the disaster, the calamity or the strike. The extreme or the powerful strike. Surah Al-Qari'ah is again a powerful surah, powerful chapter of the Qur'an wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions some of the details that will happen on the day of Qiyamah. Some of the details that will happen on the day of Qiyamah which instills fear and terror into the heart of the believer and makes the wise believer aware of this day and prepares him for this day. So that he will be of the successful people on that day and not of the losers on that day. Wallahu musta'an. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he starts off the surah by saying, Al-Qari'ah, Mal-Qari'ah, wa ma adraka mal-Qari'ah. He starts off by saying, Al-Qari'ah, the striking disaster. What is the striking disaster? And what will make you realize what the striking disaster is? We've seen this type of speech in the Qur'an a few times, for example, Allah says, Al-Haqqah. Mal-Haqqah. What is Al-Haqqah? Wa ma adraka mal-Haqqah. And what will make you realize what Al-Haqqah is? Similarly, yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts the surah in a similar fashion. So, most of the ulama of tafsir, they state that Al-Qari'ah is one of the names of the day of Qiyamah. It is one of the names of the hour. As-Sa'ah. As-Sa'ah is the hour. The final hour. Right? So, Al-Qari'ah refers to the day of Qiyamah. It, it's one of its names, right? And Al-Qiyamah has many names. Qiyamah is one of its names. Qiyamah, we know it as the day of Qiyamah. This is the most popular name. However, the day of Qiyamah has many other names as found in the Quran. For example, Al-Haqqah. For example, Al-Ghashiyah. For example, Al-Tamah. Al-Azifah. Al-Waqi'ah. And there are more than that as well, Right? Um, so this is one of the names of Qiyamah, of the day of Qiyamah. So when Allah says Al-Qari'ah, it is referring to, to Al-Qiyamah, the day of Qiyamah. And it is also well known that the more names a thing has, the greater and more serious that thing is. And this was known to the Arabs, especially. right? So the more names a thing has and carries, the greater in status that thing is. Okay, so we see Al-Qiyamah has many names. We've mentioned just a few of them. Al-Qiyamah has many names. So this then is one of the signs of the greatness of this day. That it has so many names by which it is known by. Right? Another easy example to think of that comes to mind is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa jal has so many names. And this is one of the signs of the greatness of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
In a hadith, he says, or the Prophet says, Whomsoever memorizes and understands and acts according to 99 names of Allah, then this person will get Jannah. However, we know from other hadith that Allah has more than 99 names. And Rasulullah he mentions that nobody knows how many names Allah has only except for Allah. Nobody knows how many names Allah has except for Him. So Allah has more than 99 names. We have in our previous course the fiqh of Allah's names, uh, of Allah's beautiful names. We covered more than a hundred names. We did explanation of more than a hundred names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alhamdulillah. So this is a sign of Allah's greatness as well. Tayyib. And then some of the ulama stated that these are not even synonyms. Right? Now referring to Al-Haqqa, the days of, uh, uh, specifically the days of Al-Qiyamah, they are not necessarily synonyms because each one carries its own specific meaning. Okay? If you look at Qiyamah, for example, Qiyamah means the day of standing. Qiyam means to stand. So the day of Qiyamah means the day of standing. For example, um, Al-Haqqa is the day of realities. Haqqa, you know, Haqqa or Haqq is the truth. It's a day of realities. Um, Al-Azifa is something that's near. It's, it's, it's close by. Azifa till Azifa, the Quran says the time is coming close by. It's near. Right, so the day of Qiyamah, one of its names is Al-Azifa, which means it's, it's, it's nearby. It's something close. It's not very far away. Iqtarabat al-Saha, Allah says in the Quran, that the hour has come close. One of its names is Al-Azifa. For example, Al-Waqi'ah. Al-Waqi'ah, Surah Al-Waqi'ah is also named Surah Al-Waqi'ah, the Surah of Al-Waqi'ah. What is Al-Waqi'ah? The happening. It's something that's going to happen. There's no doubt. So Al-Waqi'ah speaks about something that is going to happen. ليس لوقعتها كاذبة as the Quran says it's happening is not a lie it's not something false subhanallah so as we can see each name has its own meaning and each name we could delve deeper into it and really go into the meaning so likewise Al-Qari'ah it's one of the names of Al-Qiyamah but it has its own meaning as we saw previously we said it means the striking or the disaster or the calamity طيب so we let's get into, get into Al-Qari'ah. Al-Qari'ah comes from the word Qara'ah in Arabic, which means to strike something severely. Qara'ah means to strike something. So Al-Qari'ah is, is, is found from these root letters, Qara'ah, which means to strike something. Thus, it means that which strikes the hearts of creation and instills fear, terror, and dread within them. Al-Qari'ah is that which strikes the hearts of, of, of insan, of, of creation. It's something that is struck. Where does it strike us? It strikes us firstly within our... Uh, some scholars said, the first thing that will strike us will be the hearing on the day when the trumpets are blown. And after we hear the striking sound, it will strike us. The next striking will happen will be the fear that is struck within our hearts and the dread and the, the horror and the terror because we realize what's, what's happening. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another verse, And Allah says, And beware of the day the trumpet will be blown, and all those in the heavens and all those on the earth will be horrified, terrified. Means they will be terrified and horrified to the point of death. Except for those Allah wills to spare. 
and all will come before him dakhirin full of humility or fully humbled right so this is what al-qari'a refers to it's one of the names of qiyamah but it's also a strike that will happen like a disaster like a calamity upon the people it will strike them like the fear that strikes them Firstly, by what the year of the, of the trumpet, and then it will strike them within their hearts as well. Allah also uses this word in another surah, the word qari'ah, in surah Tur-Ra'd. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ أَنَّ قُرْآنًا سُيِّرَتْ بِهِ الْجِبَالُ أَوْ قُطِّعَتْ بِهِ الْأَرْضُ أَوْ كُلِّ مَا بِهِ الْمَوْتَى بَلْ لِلَّهِ الْأَمْرُ جَمِيعًا If there were a recitation that could cause mountains to move, or the earth to split, or the dead to speak, it would have been this Qur'an. There was one recitation that could cause the mountains to move, the earth to split open, or the dead to speak, it would be this Qur'an, the power of the Qur'an. Then Allah says, But all matters are by Allah's will. Have the believers not yet realized that had Allah willed, He would have guided all of humanity. If Allah wanted this, He could have done this. But then Allah says, وَلَا يَزَالُوا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا تُصِيبُهُمْ بِمَا صَنَعُوا قَارِعَةٌ Here's the word, قَارِعَةٌ أَوْ تَحُلُّ قَرِيبًا مِّن دَارِهِمْ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ وَعْدُ اللَّهِ And then Allah says, disasters, right? So this is referring to قَارِعَةٌ Disasters will continue to afflict the disbelievers or strike close to their homes for their misdeeds until Allah's promise comes to pass. So this striking disaster, striking calamity, this is what this word qari'ah also means. Allah uses it here in a different context, referring to the to the kuffar. That as long as they continue with their, with their evil deeds, they will continuously be struck with disasters and with calamities, which will be struck close to their homes as well because of their misdeeds until Allah's promise comes true. So, Al-Qari'ah, Allah then says, Mal-Qari'ah. What is this Qari'ah? Right? This question. Now, what is this, uh, what is the, the point behind this question? Should we ask? Right? Like, like we said, Al-Haqah, which also refers to Qiyamah, Allah then says, Mal-Haqah. What is Al-Haqah? The reason Allah asks this question is to, for emphasis. And as a form of ta'zim and tafkhim, right? As a form of Glorification or magnification or importance to show importance to this. What is this qari'ah? You know, to get people's attention. Allah says al-qari'ah, but then Allah says mal-qari'ah. What is this? What is this thing? You know, this adds to the effect and it adds to the seriousness, horror and terror of the day. It adds ta'zim, greatness to this day. Because Allah is now, uh, you know, alerting everybody. Mal-qari'ah. What is al-qari'ah? We have to think. We have to realize what is it? And then Allah says, وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَنْ Another question. What will make you realize? What will make you understand? What the striking disaster is? What Al-Qari'ah really is? What's going to get your attention enough? What's going to wake your eyes up? What's going to make you understand what Al-Qari'ah is? Again, similar to the previous ayah, this adds to the effect. It adds to the importance, the emphasis of that day, the striking disaster. It adds to the magnitude and horror of that moment. This type of speech that Allah is using. Allah is, uh, uh, this is emphasis, right? How severe, how powerful, when will it be? All of these things come to mind when Allah uses this type of speech. When Allah said Al-Qari'ah, He could have moved on. But He said, Mal-Qari'ah, what is Al-Qari'ah? 
So we uh, so we read Al Qari'ah. The next thing we ask, okay, so what is Al Qari'ah? Now we have to start to think. What's going to cause you to realize what Al Qari'ah is? Now we need to think even further. This is the effect Allah is building up. It intensifies the the message and intensifies what Al Qari'ah is all about. It does ta'zim of Al Qari'ah. Right? It, it gives it importance and status and magnifies this day, magnifies this moment, this striking disaster. Wallahu musta'an. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَ يَكُونُ النَّاسُ كَالْفَرَاشِ الْمَبْثُوثِ It is the day people will be like scattered moths. The day people will be like scattered moths. Al-farash. Farash means moths. We all know what a moth is. That weak Creature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that flies around seemingly aimlessly, right? And we know about the moth and a candle. When it comes to the candle, it flies around the candle and sometimes even gets burnt and falls into the candle. So it wanders around like confused and, you know, very weak. You, you blow against the moth, it will blow and get hurt. You hit the moth, it will die. This is the, the reality. But Allah uses this as an example to say, this is how people will be on the day of Al-Qari'ah. This is how they will be. Meaning at that moment, when they come out of their graves, right? When they come out of their graves, now look at the previous surahs that we spoke about. Surah Zalzala, Surah Adiyat, we spoke about this again. We spoke about this in those surahs. The day when the earth will throw out its athqal. We spoke about this in Zalzala, right? Allah will, the, the earth will throw out its athqal, its dead bodies. In the previous surah, we spoke about the same thing. When people will come out of their graves, right? Again, this is referring to a similar phenomenon, right? On that day, people will be scattered, meaning when they come out of their graves, they will be scattered like, they will be like scattered moths. Just like moths, they move around with no direction, aimlessly confused and fear and worry, you know, like they are sukara, but they are not sukara, like they are drunk, but they're not drunk, they're not intoxicated. Sometimes they will fall into the fire even without realizing they will be in a state of confusion. Out of the terror, out of the worry, out of the confusion, out of the subhanallah. So they will wander around like moths that are scattered about. When Kathir rahimahullah he said, meaning in their scattering, their dividing, their coming and their going. All due to being bewildered at what is happening to them. They will be like scattered moths. Picture confusion. Picture people coming from all over, just moving around aimlessly without any idea, wide-eyed, etc. You just picture confusion. Wallahu musta'an. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used this word in a hadith. Farash. Kal farash al He used this word farash, like moss in, in a hadith, which we are going to mention for benefit. He said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, my example and your example is that of a person who lit the fire. And insects and moths, farash, began to fall in it. So think of a person who lit a fire. And you see all these insects and moths falling into this fire. And he would be making efforts to take them out. So this person is trying to save these insects, these moths. And I'm going to hold you back from fire, but you are slipping from my hand. This is Rasulullah. He's trying his best to hold us back from the fire. He's, how does he do this? In various ways we could argue. Number one for us is to follow the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
That's as, it's as simple as that. To follow the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is how we save ourselves from the fire. We follow the etiquette of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We follow his commandments and we abstain from his prohibitions. And by Allah, this will be the main reason that we are saved from the fire. Another way that he's trying to hold us back is on Qiyamah. We know about the great Shafa'ah. He will intercede on behalf of the Muslims and he will intercede of those who could potentially be going to Jahannam that Allah takes them out of the station and or state and puts them into Jannah. This is another way we could perhaps argue that he is trying his best. But we are slipping away. We are slipping away because we are not playing our part. We are not upholding the Sunnah. We are not abstaining from the Muharramat. We are not fulfilling the Wajibat. So this is how we are also slipping away. Musta'an. So we need to play our part, try our best. And be idhnillah, after the will of Allah and the mercy of Allah, and the efforts of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we will be saved from the fire. Amin rabbil alameen. And then Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَتَكُونُ الْجِبَالُ كَالْعِهْنِ الْمَنْفُوشِ وَتَكُونُ الْجِبَالُ كَالْعِهْنِ الْمَنْفُوشِ um, So Allah mentioned on this day how the humans will be, like scattered moths. طيب. And if you again refer back to the previous surahs, we spoke more about that, about how they will be coming out of their graves and the state that they'll be in and so forth. Right? A lot more detail was spent on the previous surah speaking about that situation. Then Allah moves on to the next ayah and He says that the mountains will be like wool, like ihin, which is fluffed up or carded wool. Carded wool or fluffed up wool. The word al-ihin, kal-ihin. You see that calf over there, kal-ihin. That calf is there, is, it means like. Right? It means like or, or, or similar to. Right? So Allah says that in the mountains will be like al-ihin. What is al-ihin? Al-ihin means asuf, which means wool, as stated by Qatada and many others. So al-ihin means wool, right? So the mountain will become like wool, Allah says. And not just wool, what type of wool? Wool that is manfush. It's fluffed up, it's scattered, it's weathered. Muba'athar, right? Or muba'athar. It is scattered and uh, fluffed up, okay, withered away, it's weak, it's, it's become torn, it's become uh, uh, scattered up, right? The mountains we know, we all know about the mountain. What's the mountain that we know of? Rigid, firm, huge, heavy, powerful creation of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala, who can move a mountain, right? Who can destroy a mountain? For people, you think what insan has achieved, Right? For, for insan to build, for example, a, a something through the mountain, let's say a tunnel, they build through the mountain to get easier to the uh, easily to the other side. Um, it takes them ages, it takes them decades at times to get this done because this is how Allah Subhanahu wa Taala created these mountains. But these same mountains will become like wool or cotton that is withered away and weak. It will blow and disappear. Uh, disappear with the gentlest of breezes. One blow and this mountain will, will, be, will disappear. It will wither away into the, into the air. You know, like scattered dust, like that. This is how it will become, subhanAllah. In other ayat, Allah mentions this as well. Allah says, وَبُسَّتِ الْجِبَالُ فَكَانَتْ هَبَاءً مُنْبَثًا And He says, the mountains will be crushed to pieces. وَبُسَّتِ الْجِبَالُ بَسَّ The jibal will be crushed to pieces. 
فكانت هباء منبثا becoming scattered particles of dust scattered particles of dust so these ayat they explain each other they show us you know what's going to happen come qiyamah these huge solid mountains of rock of stone this is this is what what's what's going to happen to them like fluffed up wool weak scattered wool that you can blow away it's gone right in this ayah in, in surah waqi'ah crushed pieces it will be crushed up fine and become scattered particles of dust picture a stone that's crushed and crushed until it becomes fine little grains of sand until it's crushed even smaller and becomes you know you throw it away and you don't see it any longer right this is what the entire mountain will become like wallahu musta'an in another ayah in surah an-naml allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa tara al-jibala tahsabuha jamidatan wa hiya tamurru marra sahab now you see the mountains thinking they are firmly fixed jamidatan And this is what we all think. This is what we know of the mountain. It's jamidatan. It's, it is firm, fixed. But they are traveling just like clouds. That is the design of Allah. That is the design of Allah who has perfected everything. Surely he is aware of all what you do. In another ayah Allah says in Surah Muzammil, يَوْمَ تَرْجُفُ الْأَرْضُ وَالْجِبَالُ وَكَانَتِ الْجِبَالُ كَثِيبًا مَهِيلًا On the day the earth and the mountains will shake violently and mountains will be reduced to dunes of shifting sand. To dunes of, of shifting sand. So we see phases here. Perhaps this is the first phase. It will become a dune. Shifting sand. Not as big, not as powerful. And then it will become like like in Surah Qari'ah. Where it becomes like, like wool that is scattered or weathered or fluffed or carded wool. And then it will become like scattered dust. Crushed and scattered dust. So the mountains will disappear like this. Subhanallah. Right? All showing us the seriousness of this day, the greatness of this day, the severity of this day. Wallahu musta'an. Ibn Kathir then says, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs about the results received by those who performed the deeds. So firstly, Allah spoke about Al-Qari'ah, right? He, did, he gave us a few descriptions of Al-Qari'ah. He, he, he showed us the importance of, 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 of trying to understand what Al-Qari'ah is. Then he gave us some description, how insan will be on that day, how the mountains will be brought down on that day. And now Allah shifts and he speaks about the people on that day. And he speaks about two categories of people, right? One category of honor, one of disgrace, right? Based upon their deeds. So on that day, we know about a scale, right? That the people's deeds will be weighed. Or they will be weighed, or the action itself will be weighed. As the scholars have mentioned, some say the, the action itself will be weighed. Some say the person itself will be weighed, and some say the deed will be weighed. And some even say it's the books of deeds that will be weighed. And Allah Azza wa ultimately knows best. Right? The asal is that the deeds will be weighed. How? Only Allah knows how. But sometimes a person may be weighed. Sometimes the action itself may be weighed. And, but usually we would say that the asal is that the deeds will be weighed. And Allah knows best. So Allah then says, فَأَمَّا مَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَهُوَ فِي عِيشَةِ الرَّاضِيَةِ 
As for those whose scale is heavy, right, whose scale is heavy, they will be in a life of bliss. They will be in a life of a life that is radiyah, a life that is full of bliss. So this is the first category of people that will be found on the day of Al-Qari'ah or the day of, Qi- of Qiyamah. Right? Allah here mentions again evidence for the scale. It will be mawazin. Right? The scale will be heavy. Meaning, and we believe that there is a scale. How? What type of scale? Only Allah knows. But there will be a scale by which either deeds, actions, or the self, or the person himself will be weighed. And again, we touched on this in the previous lesson. Right? We spoke about, for example, the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, where he was reaching for something and his thobe had lifted up and some of the Sahaba saw his legs which were very skinny and they laughed and they giggled. And the Prophet said, those scales or those legs are extremely heavy on the scale. You know, and he praised Abdullah ibn Mas'ud for this. As if to say that if those, that, that, that some, some use this to say that the person will be weighed because the Prophet said that those shins will be weighed and it will be extremely heavy. For example, right? We believe that there will be a scale and this is one of the evidences for that. And we know that these are scales of justice. No zulm, no oppression, no transgression, no wrongdoing will happen with these scales. As Allah says, We will set up the scales of justice. On the day of Qiyamah, on the day of judgment, so no soul will be wronged in the least. And even if a deed is the weight of a mustard seed, we will bring it forth. And sufficient are we as, as a vigilant reckoner. So these are scales of justice. Without a doubt, we know Allah is the most just. He will set up a scale of justice. We will weigh every single thing to the T and no person will be wronged on that day. We also find the end of the surah now mentioning that there will be two parties. The first party which we are currently speaking about is the group whose good will outweigh their bad. Right? Their good deeds will outweigh their bad deeds. So the scale will come, good deeds on the right hand side perhaps, bad deeds on the left hand side and we will see which outweighs the other. The first group, those whose scale are heavy, thakulat. When Allah says their scales are heavy, what does He mean? It's heavy with good deeds. It's heavy with good deeds. So here He's referring to the scales of good deeds. So the scale is heavy with with good deeds. Right? Then they are the first group. This is the group number one. This is the group that we are striving to be a part of. Right? And they will have their reward appropriately because of their deeds. And the second group which is coming up is the second group who is described as having this, the, the scale as being light. Man khaffat mawazinuhu. Their scale is very light. Light of good deeds. Right? Meaning the good deeds are being outweighed here. The evil is outweighing the good on this scale. And they will have their return which is appropriate for them. So, <coughs> the first part of the ayah or the first verse here is, is, is referring to the scale. Right, those whose scale is heavy with good deeds, what will their reward be? Their reward will be They will be in a life of bliss. Radiya, the scholars say, means mardiyah. It means mardiyah, 
which means something that is well pleased, a life that is full of pleasure, that is well, they are well pleased with this life that they will be, that they will have. This is what this, this ayah means. They will be given a life that they are well pleased with, full of bliss, full of happiness. As Allah Azza wa Jal says in, in Surah Al-Fajr, Ya ayyuhan nafsul mutma'innah. Allah will say to the righteous people, O nafsul mutma'innah, O tranquil soul, irji'i ila rabbiki radiyatan mardiyah. Radiyah, here's the word, radiyah again. Like we see in the, in the ayah above, the, Allah uses this word again, radiyatan mardiyah. Return to your Lord, well pleased with him, radiyatan mardiyatan, and well pleasing to him. So you can see the words, they mean something similar. Radiya means mardiya, which means something which is well pleased. Right? And then Allah says, Fadkhili fi ibadi, wadkhuli jannati. So join my servants and enter my paradise. This Allah will say to the righteous on the day of Qiyamah, may Allah make us of them. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Um, so they will get a life that is, that they are well pleased with, full of bliss. Tayyib. And this ultimately, of course, refers to the life of Jannah, to the life in paradise, which is a pure life, a life that is tayyibah, pure, with no misery, no frustration, no anxiety, no tiredness, no sickness, no weakness, no old age, no fatigue, no sadness or grief, no loudness, etc. Think of this, Wallahi al-Azim, just ponder over this point alone. You think of the difficulties that we go through on a day-to-day basis, which is the dunya. And this is how Allah made the dunya. This dunya was not, this is why the dunya is the dunya, it's not Jannah. Understand? So there has to be misery. There has to be some frustration. We all get frustrated from time to time. Things happen all the time. Everything's a test for us. If it's your spouse, then it's your children, then it's your parents, then it's your job, then it's your, your health, then it's your wealth, then it's... This, then it's that. There's always something. There's always a test. There's always some frustration that we have to deal with. How, how do we deal with it is also appropriate. Not to say that we have to live a life of misery, no. But there will be tests. So yes, when a person is in, his iman is strong, he will not be affected by this. He will have a good life. In this dunya as well. Alhamdulillah, this is the bounty of Allah Azza wa Jal. But he has to go through tests. He has to overcome those tests. As Allah mentions in the Quran, that whomsoever lives a good life, whomsoever lives a life in the pleasure of Allah, and he does righteous deeds and so forth, Allah will give him hayatan tayyibah. He will give him a good life, a pure life. So even that refers to this dunya. So we are not saying that every person has to have, you know, all of these issues. However, we will experience some of them. But we always come through them as believers. We always deal with them appropriately as believers so we don't end up in depression. We don't end up losing hope. That should never be the way of the believer. He comes through because he's strong. But he will experience tests. Frustration comes in, he gets through it, alhamdulillah. Anxiety comes, he puts his trust in Allah. He recites various adhkar. He turns to Allah in salah, in, 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 in Quran, in sabr. He overcomes tiredness. We experience it. Even believers have to experience that sickness. We get there. We, we, old age, we are getting there. Fatigue, we can't avoid it. You know, sadness and grief, we have to experience. This is how the, Allah has created this life. But it's a test from Allah Azza wa And we get through it. Allah rewards us for it. Our patience and our sabr, He forgives our sins for experiencing it. 
And this is the grace of Allah. A completely perfect life in all aspects. This is Jannah. Every aspect of Jannah is perfect. And the people of paradise will never leave. As Allah says, they will never be thrown out. They will never ask, be asked to leave. And they will never leave. They will be in their khalidin afiha abada. Forever and ever and ever and ever they will abide therein. They will never experience grief or fear. As the Quran says many times. Right? No fear for them and no grief. This is Jannah. Complete happiness and bliss at every moment. Forever and ever, may Allah make us of them. And wallahi, this is what we are striving, we should be striving for. As believers, we live our life in such a way that our aim is Jannah, ultimately. So we can have our goals in this dunya, no problem. But all of those goals need to be Jannah orientated. All of those goals need to somehow be leading us to Jannah. So we fulfill certain you know, uh, achievements in the dunya, goals in the dunya, but what we should be doing is having those goals that we are achieving in this dunya on the pathway to Jannah, not something that leads us off the pathway to Jannah. So the goal shouldn't be something in haram or something leading to haram that could potentially lead us to Jahannam, Wallahu al-Musta'an. So this is how the believer should be uh, full of wisdom, that we can strive for the dunya and achieve things in the dunya, but try to make those minor goals Part of the major goal, which is which is which is Jannah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Lahum fiha faqihat wa lahum ma yadgoon." There, they will have fruits and whatever they desire. Just some few ayat we mentioned on, you know, the pleasures of Jannah and the fruits of Jannah and the the bounties in our Jannah. They will have fruits, whatever they desire. And Wallahi, remember, nothing in this world is like what is in Jannah. So when we say fruits, it's not like the fruits of this dunya. We have some lovely fruits. You know, but the fruits of Jannah is something way beyond that. It's something that we cannot even imagine and understand. And the smell of it, the taste of it, is beyond our understanding. Whatever they desire, it will be there for them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another, in another ayah, In both gardens, that refer to Ar-Rahman al-Reed, the end of Ar-Rahman, the last two, two pages of Ar-Rahman. And Allah speaks about Jannah and what the believers will experience. And yes, just two of the ayat we mentioned in both Jannahs, right? And we mentioned this previously already, that there will be two levels of Jannah. Or two paradises that, that Allah mentions in. Um, uh, two, two types of Jannah that Allah mentions in the Surah, Surah Ar-Rahman. In both of these gardens, Allah says, will be maidens of modest gaze. Maidens of modest gaze, who no human or jinn has ever touched before. Pure women that were created specifically for these inhabitants of paradise. Allah then says, In Surah Zumar, Allah says, And those who are mindful of their Lord will be led to paradise in successful, successive groups. When they arrive at its already opened gates, its gatekeepers will say, Peace be upon you. You have done well. You have been purified. So come in to stay forever. This is the welcoming that they will have from these angels, the gatekeepers of, of Jannah. Allah says, those maidens that, that we spoke about, 
They will be maidens with gorgeous eyes, reserved in pavilions. Reserved in pavilions. Go to these ayat and read, read the context of these ayat. Read the ayat before, read the ayat after. We cannot bring in all, all, all of the all of the ayat. It becomes too much. Um, but at least there are some references. Go back to these references and read. Read the whole Ar-Rahman. So much beauty in it. So much uh, blessings in it. And go back to the other references and read the ayat before, the ayat after it and get a better picture, you know, of Jannah and so forth. In another ayah surah insan, Allah says, Muttaki'ina fiha ala al-ara'ik, la yarawna fiha shamsan, wala zamharira. There they will be reclining on canopied couches, never seeing scorching heat or bitter cold. So Jannah, there's no extremism, you know, extreme heat or extreme cold. No, it's, it's all good, moderate temperature, enjoyable weather at all times. وَدَانِيَةً عَلَيْهِمْ ظِلَالُهَا The garden's shade will be right above them. وَذُلِّلَتْ قُطُوفُهَا تَذْلِيلًا And its fruit will be made very easy to reach. So you can picture this perfect reclining, reclining canopied couches in perfect weather. The garden's shade will be right above them. The fruits are always at reach. Whatever he desires, he can just take, take at, at reach. And all then mentions that there will be servants that will serve them like pearls, like rubies walking around, serving them with trays, with crystals, and all of the details go back to Surah Insan and read, Alhamdulillah. However, the greatest blessing of all, there are many blessings. We mentioned the Hur, right? A bit, of, a bit about the Hur. We mentioned the, the, the fruits, the reclining, the gardens, the weather. Few things we only touched on. But the greatest blessing of all, the greatest delight, that they will experience will be seeing the perfect face of their Rabb, will be seeing the perfect face of Ar-Rahman, the most merciful unto them, the, the one who created them, the one who nurtured them, who reared them, the one who provided for them at every moment, the one who controlled all of their affairs, and the one who allowed them to enter paradise by his mercy. You know, the one who's more merciful to them and to us than our own parents. Imagine when you see your parents, the, the happiness that you experience. When you see your children, the happiness that you... Imagine the day you meet the Lord of your parents, the Lord of your children, the Lord of yourself. Subhanallah. There's no greater happiness and joy that they will experience. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, On that day, some faces will be bright. Looking at their Lord. Their faces will be bright and illuminated, looking at their Rabb. Ibn Abbas, the great Sahabi, he said, some faces that day will be now that are shining and radiant means because of the blessings. Because of the blessings of what they are looking at, the face will be bright. Looking at their Lord means looking upon the face of their Lord. Looking upon the face of their Lord. And as Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, we believe that this will happen, that we will see Allah Azza wa Jal, if you are, uh, Allah make us of the people of Jannah, the people of Jannah will see their Rabb. This is the Aqeer of Ahlul Sunnah. And that the Rabb has a face that is befitting unto His majesty and His perfection without likening it to any creation. But this is what we believe. And this is the aqidah of the Sahaba and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as well without a doubt. Allah then says in another ayah in Surah Yunus, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَ وَزِيَادَةِ Those who do good will have the finest reward. أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَ The best of reward. Those who do good will have al-husna. Right? So the people of Ihsan, the people who really strove to be of the best of the best, Allah says they will have the finest reward, Al-Husna, Waziyada, and more. Allah says, and even more. 
And then the ayah goes on, neither gloom nor disgrace will, will cover their faces. It is they who will be the res- res- residents of paradise and they will be there forever. However, we turn our focus here to the word waziyada. So the people who did good will have the will have al-husna. They will have the finest rewards. That makes sense. But then Allah says waziyada and more. So what is the finest rewards and what is even more? What is meant here by even more? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explains and he says, when the people of Jannah enter Jannah, Allah will say, do you want anything more? And they will say, have you not brightened our faces, admitted us to paradise and saved us from Jahannam? Yani, what more can we possibly have? We have gotten the best. And then the veil will be lifted. And they will not have seen anything more dear to them than looking upon their Lord, may He be glorified and exalted. They will not see, have seen anything more dear to them than looking upon their Lord, Jalla Jalaluhu. This is what is meant by even more, waziyada. And then Rasulullah recited the ayah, لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُ الْحُسْنَى waziyada. So this is the perfect tafsir of, of this ayah over here, because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he knows the tafsir best. And this hadith is in Sahih Muslim. So what's meant by ziyada is, Seeing Allah Azza wa Jal. So the people of Ihsan, the people who did good, they will get the best of reward, they will get the finest of reward, and even more than that, which means they will also get to see their Rabb. Some ulama said, Al-Husna means Jannah. Those who did good will get Jannah. And more than Jannah meaning, they will get to see Allah Azza wa Jal in Jannah. Al-Bukhari and Muslim from Abu Hurairah, they mention that some people said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, will we see our Lord on the day of, Qi- of Qiyamah? The Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, Do you doubt that you see the moon on the night when it is full? They said, No, Ya Rasulullah. Yani, a full moon on a clear night. Can you have any doubt that you would see it? We have no doubt. Of course we would see it. Right? So they said, No, Ya Rasulullah. This is the analogy that he struck. And so he said, Do you doubt that you see the sun when there is no cloud? Is it possible that in a day there's no clouds, it's a clear sunny day that we cannot see the sun? This is impossible. So they said, no, O Messenger of Allah. So he said, you will see Allah likewise. Yani the clarity by which you see the full moon on a clear night and the clarity by which you see the sun on a sunny day of, with no clouds, this is how clearly you will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how clearly you will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, in a Sahih in Bukhari Muslim, from Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhumah, he said, we were sitting with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam looking at the moon on the night of the 14th of the month. Now, lunar months, the middle of the month means full moon. So he said, you will see your Lord with your own eyes, just as you are looking at this moon without any doubt that you are seeing him. Without, look how emphatic Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is in this message. That you with, without a doubt you will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just like you see the full moon on this clear full moon night. This is how you will look at your Rabb. Yani, no matter how much of creation there is, think of this dunya. How many people on this dunya, if it's a full moon, how many people can see the moon? Millions at a time. And nothing will block their view. Right? Nothing will, will come in the way. Okay? Likewise on Qiyamah or in Jannah, when Allah removes the veil, with all of the inhabitants of paradise, wherever they are scattered throughout paradise, when they look up, they will see their Rabb. Clear, like the, just like in this dunya, when 
millions can see the sun and the moon at the same time, likewise on that day, everybody will be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his perfect, pristine form. And this will be the, the ultimate delight for the people of, of Jannah. May Allah make us of them. Ameen. The ahadith about seeing Allah were narrated by nearly 30 sahaba. Radiallahu anhum ajma'in. Whoever learns them will have certain knowledge that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said them. There's no doubt. As we can see all the previous hadith we mentioned is Bukhari and Muslim, Bukhari and Muslim. So anyone who claims after this that no one will see Allah in the year after is rejecting the Quran and the message with which Allah sent his messengers and he's exposing himself to the stern warning mentioned in the ayah, No, indeed, from the Lord that day, they will be partitioned, meaning veiled, from seeing the Lord. So, the point here is that many, certain groups, right? Certain groups which did not follow the methodology of the Sahaba and the Salaf al-Salih, the righteous predecessors, they had a belief, or they have a belief system that says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not be seen. That this is not what is meant by these ahadith. They have their own interpretation, but this is what we say is batil. Right? Because what the clear Quran says and the clear Sunnah says that, that this is something established. And all of the four Imams, Bukhari, uh, sorry, Imam, uh, Abu Hanifa, Malik, Ashafi, and Ahmad agreed on this point that we will definitely see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of the Sahaba and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a hadith so clearly stated that this is the belief of Ahlul Sunnah wa Jama'ah. So we should not be confused or be deceived by some of the groups that believe that Allah will not be seen. And this is found with many of the groups of uh, philosophy and kalam, like the Ashairah and the Maturidiyah and so forth. However, this is not the view of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Right? Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they are clear on the view that Allah Azza wa Jalla will be seen by the people of Jannah in Jannah. As the Quran states, we mention the ayat and we mention just a few of the ahadith where uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also emphatically stated this point and the same have been stated by the a'immah of Ahlul Sunnah as well. Walhamdulillah. We then move on where Allah says, وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَفَّتْ مَوَازِينُهُ And as for those whose scale is light. Now we move on to the second group of people. The group whose scale of good deeds is light. Right? The scale of good deeds is light. Meaning either this person is a disbeliever, a kafir, or is a mushrik, whose scales will be void of good. So the kuffar will have no good on these scales. Right? No good will be written for them. No good is accepted from them because they are disbelievers. Likewise, the mushrikun, none of the good will be accepted because they are also disbelievers. A mushrik is a kafir. If a person is considered as a mushrik, he is also a kafir. Allah says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Zumar, This is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he says to him, If you were to commit shirk, then that will, will, will render your, your deeds as void, null and void. All of your deeds becomes null, null and void. The moment you commit major shirk, the moment we, we fall into major shirk and knowingly we know what we are doing, then our deeds are nullified completely. Whatever good we did in this life will be wiped out, subhanAllah. Or this person is a, a major sinner, a Muslim who wronged himself excessively. So therefore his scale of good deeds is light compared to the bad deeds. Understand? So either he's a disbeliever or he's a Muslim who committed major shirk, or sorry, afar, major sins. And therefore, his um, good deeds are light or lighter than his bad deeds. 
So this is the people who are khaffat mawazinuhu. His scales, uh, is light of good deeds. فَأُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةً Their home will be the abyss. Their home will be hawiya. Their home will be the abyss. There are two understandings of the standing. Uh, there are two basically, the tafsir of this ayah, two tafsirs of this ayah, two interpretations of this ayah which are both correct. Both mentioned by Ibn Kathir rahimahullah. He says it has been said that this means he will be falling and tumbling headfirst into the fire of hell and the expression his mother has been used to refer to his brain as it is the mother of his head. Right? This was stated by Ibn Abbas, Ikrima Abu Salih and Qatada. Qatada, rahimahullah, he said he will fall into the hellfire on his head. Okay? The home will be the abyss. The people whose scales are light, this is where they will end up. But look at the word Allah uses, فَأُمُّهُ We all know what the word um means. Um means mother. Right? Ummuhu, his mother. So his mother will be Hawiya, Allah is saying. What does that mean? What does the word mother in this context mean? So this group of scholars here, like Ibn Abbas and others, they said that the mother here refers to his, his brain, his dimagh, his, his brain. Because the brain is the mother of the head. The brain is the mother of the head. So therefore, it, this word Ummuhu here refers to his, his brain or his head. Right? And this means that he will fall head first into, into Jahannam. This, these people will fall head first into, into the fire. This is what this ayah means according to that tafsir. A second tafsir says it has also been said that it means his mother that he will return to and end up with in the year after. Will be Hawiyah. So his mother is Hawiyah. Ummuhu Hawiyah. Right? Which is one of the names of the hellfire. So Hawiyah is one of the names of Jahannam. So this is telling us that his mother is Hawiyah. Yani his mother is Jahannam. Why does it, what does this mean? His place of return will be his mother, who is Jahannam. Yani Hawiyah, one of the names of Jahannam. Subhanallah. Ibn Jarir, rahimahullah, he said, Al-Hawiyah is only called his mother because he will have no other abode except for it. The only place he's heading is to Hawiyah, which is his mother, in this context. Ibn Zayd said, Al-Hawiyah is the fire, and it will be his mother and his abode to which he will return. And where he will be settled. And then he recited the verse, The abode will be the fire. The abode will be the fire. So these are two interpretations. Both interpretations are correct. Either we can say, His mother either refers to his head, because he will be thrown head first into Jahannam. Or it means, his mother refers to, Hawiyah. His mother is Hawiyah, which is the fire, because that is where he's returning. That is where he will settle. That is where his abode is with his mother, which is the fire. Subhanallah. Both interpretations are correct. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also used this word Yahwi, which means, which comes from the word Hawiyah. They are the same in Arabic. He said, a slave of Allah may utter a word which pleases Allah without giving much importance. And this is such a powerful hadith because of the uh, it shows us the, the, the power of, of our speech and what we speak, what we say. A person may say something which is pleasing to Allah without giving it importance. Yani he doesn't realize the power of his speech and how good his speech is. And because of that, Allah will raise him to degrees of reward. But he doesn't even pay attention to what he said. But yet, it was such, such good speech. It helped people, it, it really impacted people and so forth. And a slave of Allah may utter a word carelessly, which displeases Allah. Without thinking of its gravity. 
On the other hand, we say things bad and we don't realize how much it affects others or how serious it really is or how evil it really is. Wallahu al-musta'an. And because of that, Yahweh biha fi jahannam. He will be thrown into the hellfire. Hawiya and Yahweh are similar. Yahweh biha fi jahannam. Right? Into jahannam. So, similarly, thrown into jahannam, like head first. Fa'ummuhu hawiya. His mother will be head first into jahannam. Referring to the, the brain. And so forth. Allah knows best. Both of those interpretations we said are, are correct. Then Allah said, وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا هِيَ نَارٌ حَامِيَةٌ What will make you realize what that is? يعني what is this أُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةٌ What is هَاوِيَةٌ What's going to make us understand what it is? It is a scorching fire, Allah then explains. نَارٌ حَامِيَةٌ It is an extremely hot Scorching fire. When Allah says, Wa ma adraka ma hiya, What does this do? What does this bring? What effect? We explained this in the beginning of the surah when Allah says, Wa ma adraka ma What's going to help you understand what is al-qari'ah? Ya Allah says, what will make you realize what is hawiyah? What that is? What is this hawiyah that we are talking about? Emphasizing again the greatness, importance and seriousness of it. This, the danger of it, the horrors of it. Subhanallah. And then Allah answers the question and it says, Narun hamiyah. So first, the, 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 the emphasis. Where will the people whose good scales are light, where will they go? That's what they will get. But what is that? What's going to cause you to understand what it is? It's as if to wake you up. What is it? What is it about? What is it? It is a scorching fire. A scorching fire, the likes of no other fire. In fact, many ahadith speak about this fire. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Your fire, yani in this world, is one of 70 parts of the hellfire. One of 70 parts of the hellfire. So picture 70 types, 70 parts of the hellfire. Picture Jahannam split up into 70 parts. We, our fire in this dunya, the hottest fire in this dunya is one part of that. So someone asked the old messenger of Allah, this fire would have been sufficient, isn't it? Yani, if, if, if the people in Jahannam were to be punished by being thrown into the hottest fire in this dunya, would it not, be suffi- would it not burn them to death? Would it not be? Yes, it would. So would it not be sufficient? This is what he is saying. So Rasulullah said, The hell fire has 69 parts more than the ordinary worldly fire. Each part is as hot as this worldly fire. Can we even, it's beyond our imagination. Sometimes you make a fire in your fireplace and you have to sit two meters away because you can't bear the heat that's coming out of there. You know, sometimes you think of any fire. You know, you make a, 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 a braai, but the fire is so hot, you, you, you're turning the meat from with your, your utensils, your, you got to turn the meat from a distance away. We can't even stand that close. This is just one part. First of all, our fires, we could probably make it even hotter if we used certain, you know, techniques. But this is just one part of the fire of Jahannam, which is, which has 69 other parts. Each part is as hot as this. Yani, Jahannam is 70 times hotter than the hottest fire in this dunya. Subhanallah. May Allah protect us. The Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Indeed, the least suffering for the inhabitants of fire would be for him who, have ha- who, who, who would have two shoes and two laces of fire on his feet. What this means is, the person who will have the, 
the least suffering, yani the, the lightest punishment, the lightest punishment in Jahannam. He will have two shoes, two slippery sandals with laces of fire on his feet. And with these shoes, because he's wearing these shoes, right? This would cause his brains to boil, right? With these would boil his brains as boils the cooking vessel. Just like you put cooking, uh, a vessel, a pot for example, on a coals or on a, on a stove and it starts to, to boil. By wearing these sandals, his brain would boil. And he would think that he would not, he would not see anyone in a more grievous torment than him. As far as he's concerned, nothing is worse than that. Nobody can be suffering more than this. So he thinks he's getting the worst of all punishment. However, what does the hadith say? Whereas he would be in the least torment. Subhanallah. He would be in the least torment. This is the person who is getting the lightest punishment. In another narration of this hadith, it says, this is for Abu Talib. This is for Abu Talib specifically. Yani we know Abu Talib, the uncle of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa who cared for him, who loved him, who protected him, who raised him, who guarded him. His guardian after the death of Abdul Muttalib. But yet, Abu Talib did not die upon Islam. And even after prophethood, he knew his nephew was truthful. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa gave him da'wah. Even on his deathbed, he said to him, Say la ilaha illallah, say la ilaha illallah. This is the word that I will intercede on your behalf with and so forth. And on the other hand, he had the Quraysh leader saying to him, Are you going to leave the, the, the religion of your, of your father? You want to die in a different religion? And he inclined towards this these, the speech. And he was overtaken because of his allegiance to his family and his tribe and so forth. He, he died upon that. And he did not accept Islam. And then Allah revealed an ayah to Rasulullah who became sad. Indeed, you, O Muhammad, you cannot guide those whom you love. يعني the, Allah is one who guides whom he wants. But it is Allah who guides whomsoever he wants. Showing Rasulullah that even though you are the messenger of Allah, guidance is only in the hand of Allah. Subhanallah. So some said this is for him. Because Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam knew that his uncle is going to Jahannam. But because of the good that his uncle did for him, he prayed to Allah to lessen the punishment for his uncle. And so this is one of the, the punishments that will be given to him. The least of the suffering will be given to him. This is what he will get, Wallahu al-Musta'an. In another hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, The hellfire complained to its Lord and said, O oh Lord, some parts of me devour other parts of me. So he, so he, Allah, permitted it to take two breaths. One breath in the winter and one breath in the summer. Thus, the most severe cold that you experience in the winter is from its cold. And the most severe heat that you experience in the summer is from its heat. Subhanallah. Look at this hadith. So Allah allowed it to take two breaths. One breath in the winter... That brings severe cold in the winter. One breath in the summer, and this brings that the most severe of heat. And that shows the severity of Jahannam and what's happening in Jahannam, Allah Musta'an. In one more hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِذَا اشْتَدَّ الْحَرُّ فَأَبْرِدُوا عَنِ الصَّلَاةِ When the heat becomes intense, when it becomes intense, إِذَا اشْتَدَّ الْحَرُّ Pray the prayer when it cools down. Pray the salah when it cools down. This mostly refers to dhuhr, most of the times. Yani it refers to when, for example, you're out there and it's too hot to go out, you know, to the masjid or to go out and pray Dhuhr Salah. 
then you can relax and wait until it cools down somewhat. This is there's obviously more to the explanation, but that's basically what it means. Pray it when it cools down. And then the hadith says, For indeed the intense heat is from the breath of hell. The intense heat that you experience in this dunya is from the breath of hell. Hadith is also in Bukhari and Muslim. So this shows us what is meant by Narun Hamiya, a scorching fire. That is the, the destination that Allah Azza wa Jal truly protect us. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. So this surah instills fear into the believer, no doubt. Of the day of Qiyamah, the day of Al-Qari'ah. The striking that will happen into the hearts of the believers. The striking disaster that will happen. On that day, what will happen to the people, what will happen to the mountains. And it also reminds us to be of the successful category of people on that day. Whose scales are heavy with good deeds. And not to be of those whose, whose good deeds are light. Because we see what their abode will be. We want to be the abode one of, of those who are in the abode of bliss, in a life of bliss, full of bliss and happiness that is we are well pleased with. That is what we should strive for. That, we, that is what we should work towards in this dunya. Sacrifice for it now in this dunya. Work towards it now in this dunya and we will achieve it in the akhirah. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. May Allah truly make us of them who achieve Jannah without hisab, without adab, without reckoning. And that he grants us the highest uh, ranks in Jannah with the prophets, with the siddiqeen, with the shuhada and the salihin. Amin rabbil alameen. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. This is of course the end of Surah Al-Qari'ah. And we will move on next week bi-idhnillah to the next Surah, Surah Al-Takathur bi-idhnillah ta'ala. Until we meet again. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.